You're listening to the Back Porch Talk Podcast. Danny and Jason had many discussions and debates on the back porch while making pivotal investment moves with assets. That's right, with trading cards. They welcome you to the back porch and right into those discussions about current sports news with a fresh and unique twist. So come on and join us. Welcome to the Back Porch Talk Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jason. It's your co-host, Danny. And look, fans, we have an outstanding show for you today. We're going to talk about the NBA All-Star game. And then we have an intriguing discussion about the partnership with Nike, Florida A&M University, and how LeBron James really factors into the equation. And then the NFL franchise tags, a little discussion about that. That got his money. The NBA Hall of Fame list or the Basketball Hall of Fame finalist. And then a little bit about this Jackson State University win over Grambling. But first to the NBA All-Star game. This was a very different game. I just remember growing up anticipating NBA All-Star weekend where Saturday night was the feature and where you would have the slam dunk contest, the three-point contest, and they just recently added the skills challenge. But that dunk contest was the premiere. And I just remember always having the pizza, the wings, the drink ready, the fellas either texting each other or we're all together, whatever the case may be. And you see all all the big time stars sitting on the sideline, having their camcorders or their phones or whatever out and you see the big smiles the laughter you see the style the profiling you see it all and then the dunk contest happens you see everybody getting hype or not getting hype <laughs> the crowd is into it whatever the case may be and we didn't have that this year this was a different year the big winners of this sunday's nba all-star festivities were the historically black colleges and universities and the promo leading up to the game, the two-hour promo, was absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I mean, you saw just, man, just the history, really just the dedication that the students have to their respective schools. Um, you see, you've seen the people that has come out of these schools, that, that has been produced by these schools, and them going out into the world and being global citizens and being active members of their own respective communities, being a product of an HBCU, the Florida A&M University. It was really awesome to see, man. But Danny, I have to say this. It was cool seeing the three-point contest. And to me, out of all the contests, that was the best one. To see Steph Curry go ahead and take it at the end. The skills challenge was all right. Uh, and th- and those were before the game actually started. Then you had the first half of the game and where LeBron James team just really demolished <laughs> Kevin Durant's team. And then at halftime, it was the dunk contest, which was something was missing there, man. Something was just missing. Then you had the second half of the All-Star game, which was mm-hmm. what are your th- what were your thoughts on the NBA All-Star uh, Sunday there? Jason, just highlighting the HBCUs was definitely the key here of the weekend the way that it was presented it made you think where has this been Mm -hmm. so that was awesome from that Mm -hmm. standpoint just to see that see them highlighted from the festivities perspective the skills challenge 
it was more entertaining listening to Kenny and those dudes on the on the set. <laughs> Three point contest is always entertaining. And then the slam dunk. I thought they did the athletes a disservice mm -hmm. from the standpoint of it was constrained from a time perspective. And these are younger guys. So mm -hmm. Obi Toppin, Anthony Simons, and um, Cassius. I can't think of his last name off the top of my head. And some of the dunks, man, I know a lot of people got on the slam dunk contest, but some of those dunks were still pretty good. Simons, man, he can jump out the gym. Like the dunk with the little Nerf hoop where he got up and dunked it, um, that was pretty entertaining. The All-Star game itself was entertaining from the LeBron team standpoint. All the point guards throwing lives to each other. Giannis going perfect from the field and ending yep. up with the MVP. Mm -hmm. And Reggie Miller calling out Giannis not to shoot that last three-pointer to mess up his perfect game. <laughs> and he actually banked it in. They need to figure some things out next year with the slam dunk contest. And maybe they go back to normal. Maybe it's yeah. back to Saturday night and then Sunday where mm -hmm. the guys have more time. There's more participants mm -hmm. in the slam dunk contest. Well, on the heels of All-Star Weekend, Nike announced a six-year apparel partnership with my alma mater, Florida A&M University, which will outfit all of the sports within the athletic department, adorning the Rattlers men's and women's basketball players in unique James Crown uniforms and shoes. Some details about the actual deal here, uh, which is reported by Yahoo Sports. It's due to commence in July and commits Nike to provide $3.3 million worth of retail product to the university over the duration of the deal. The agreement also has Nike spending $200,000 each year in marketing support, as well as providing $200,000 annually to FAMU's Rattler Athletic Fund for the purpose of supporting scholarships for students whose academic pursuits are aligned with Nike's business objectives. Man, this is a phenomenal deal. To, to add to that is Nike's commitment to enlist top tier Nike assets, and that's in quotes, each year to promote FAMU. The proposal specifically mentions LeBron James, rapper Travis Scott, and tennis player Naomi Osaka as examples. If that's not big, I don't know what is. It's game changing. It's game changer, man. But but wait, there's more. The FAMU proposal states that during each contract year, Nike will select two of the school students to participate in annual summer internships. That is also promote work-study opportunities for FAMU undergraduates with Major League Baseball, the NFL, NBA, and WNBA, as well as professional sports franchises that are partnered with Nike. The reason why I bring this up, man, I remember when this announcement was made. And first of all, I remember when LeBron first had this, had, wore the shoes during yep. a game. Mm -hmm. And he Snap the pictures, put it on his uh, respective social media outlets, and it just went viral. That's free marketing. For those of you who probably have gone to bigger schools, have big, bigger athletic departments, have bigger budgets, this may not be, this may be really insignificant to you. But in the midst of COVID, and for a smaller school to have a smaller budget to get marketing of this magnitude from arguably the top player basketball player in the world is major and the money that nike is going to provide annually is major for this budget mm -hmm. and 
I just have to give kudos to uh, the athletic director, Courtney Gaucher, for really conjuring up this deal. This is a game changer, and I think it's actually going to be one that is going to be followed by a lot of other HBCUs. When we talk about HBCUs, we unfortunately talk about, at times, the resources, the facilities, or shall I say the lack thereof. Budget. And budget. To have something like this is trailblazing. Because it helps reimagine another revenue stream coming in the door for an athletic department. I mean, you think about this deal, but you also think about Deion Sanders going to Jackson State, the media following Deion Sanders at Jackson State. Man, this is just a game changer for HBCUs all over, man. I just want to celebrate HBCUs. I'm so glad that the NBA finally celebrated HBCUs. This has just been a, a, a big win for HBCUs. And it's also been a big win for student athletes and students in general. Now the NFL franchise tags. This a whole lot's been happening over the past couple of days. You know, these franchise tags are started. The deadline was Monday at 4 p.m. It's just Really interesting to see how these franchises are really uh, maneuvering, especially with the the cap decreasing for the first time in years. So, Jason, some of the observations, and there were a lot of moves that were made over the last couple of days, but some notable ones were Allen Robinson staying with Chicago. And maybe this is their, hey, Russell Wilson, <laughs> we still have Allen Robinson to throw to. <laughs> Or who, whomever they bring in, whoever the quarterback is, they need Allen. They needed Allen Robinson to stay there. Mm-hmm. Unfortunate for him, unless he gets Russell Wilson there, because Allen Robinson has had a raw deal, in my opinion, mm-hmm. in his career. Yes, he's played with some mediocre quarterbacks mm-hmm. for his talent level. So we'll see what happens with Chicago, but that was they had to do that move, make that move. Kenny Galladay from the Lions mm-hmm. did not get tagged. Good for him, I think. I'm just curious how much a team is going to pay Kenny Galladay since I know he has an injury history. Like last year, he only played a few games. So how does that impact? Chris Godwin was tagged Mm. by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's huge. Yes. In a way, it surprised me because I didn't know if they were just going to let him go and keep A.B. and Mm Gronk and and try to keep that defense together because Mm -hmm. they did not tag Shaq Barrett. I saw that. And... You know, they're going to have to keep that defense together, man. That defense was wicked. Yes. So that's what surprised me. I thought they would tag Shaq Barrett mm-hmm. and let Godwin test free agency. But they did it the other way. So maybe they can make some moves and free up some space for Shaq Barrett and bring him back. Because you lose him, that's that, that may hurt you. There may have been like a wink-wink type thing behind the scenes there. Yep. They probably told Shaq, hey, man, we, we can just franchise tag one. We want to keep some weapons on the offensive side of the ball for Brady. So by us franchising, franchise tagging Godwin, it's no way in looking at you that we're not wanting you. So I think it could have been kind of a wink-wink type, type deal behind the scenes there. Yep. And then the last major one was Aaron Jones from your Green Bay Packers not being tagged. And this is another one of those. Is this another, like you just mentioned about Shaq Barrett? Mm -hmm. This is something like, we're not going to tag you, but we're going to try to sign you back. What do you think, Jay? There are some reports that the Packers did offer Aaron Jones a weak-ass contract deal, man. It wasn't a good deal, man. Aaron Jones was a offensive weapon. He could run the ball, run in between the tackles. He could catch the ball out the backfield. 
he was agile enough. He took it to the house on multiple occasions from 20, 30, 40, 50 yards out. I think that's an offensive weapon that you keep. Yes, there's a a price to pay, but I think it would be worth it. Mm-hmm. Not unless they're thinking of, you know, having some other weapons. Like to me, the Dylan and Jamal Williams combination, to me, those are husky heavy runners. They're not agile like a Aaron Jones. I think we need someone who's agile, who has a little wiggle there, who has yeah. a little speed, you know, a little burst there, a little lightning, a l- less thunder, if you will. A Kamara. Yeah, we. I think we we needed that wiggle. And so we'll see. I, I did see that the Packers went ahead and got Funches, mm-hmm. and he didn't play last year. He did uh, come down on the salary. So I think it was a win-win situation between Funches to reprove himself or to approve himself again, and also uh, for the Packers from a salary perspective. Uh, we'll see what happens there, man. But I just think that the Packers really missed out on Aaron Jones there. I really do. And I think they're just trying to go for a cheap again, man. A lot of teams trying to make all these moves to make make this big run at free agency. So I'm very curious how this free agency market is going to go once the green light hits. Dak got his money because Dak got four years, $160 million. Of that, about $126 million is guaranteed. But it's it's well-deserved. It's well-deserved, man. Dak has been getting underpaid for the past couple of years, man. And I'm happy he got his money. It's going to be interesting to see how Dallas shapes their football team, especially on the defensive side of the football. Their defense was terrible, man. Your boy Dan Quinn is now the defensive coach for the Cowboys. So we'll see what happens on that front. Uh, but I'm glad that Dak got his money. I think that was a good move for them to get Dan Quinn, just on a side note. As far as Dak is concerned, Dak set the market again. He got everything he wanted, and he was patient. And for Dallas to finally cave in and give him what he wanted, honestly surprised me. I thought they were going to tag him again due, due to his injury from last year. Kudos to him, man. If you look at his deal, he'll only be, I believe, 32 after that fourth year versus like Mahomes' deal. Dak has a way better deal, man. Mahomes has the half billion, but the way Dak his earning power is that and guaranteed money. Because I honestly believe that this is actually a win-win situation for the Cowboys. I honestly think it's a win for Dak getting his money. In the long term, I think it's a win for the Cowboys because I believe the NFL has to renegotiate their contract, their TV contract. Mm-hmm. And I think they're going to get more money, which will eventually increase the uh, salary cap. I think it's a win from that situation because, yeah, okay, this this first year in the contract uh, or of that contract, it's going to look like, okay, it's hamstringing the, the teams. But who knows, year two, three, and four could be, oh, this is just a – it's a norm. It's, you yeah. know, it's not hamstringing the team as much now. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's the way I think Jerry Jones looked at it. Like, okay, well, we'll we'll ride this one out for the first year, but two, three, and four, it'll be a bargain deal. Oh yeah, you... I agree with Dak's deal. I think it's fine. I think it's some of these other mm-hmm. quarterbacks that are getting paid, mm-hmm. where you're like, all right, the next, like Baker Mayfield. So Baker Mayfield's going to make more than Dak and Mahomes no. and Aaron Rodgers no. and. But that's the way it trends, right? So that's where I'm curious yeah. to see what that next batch of QBs get and if they're going to keep on this trend. 
I, I believe they're going to have to re- renegotiate Aaron Rodgers' contract. And I think that's going to be a win-win situation too. Aaron Rodgers probably get some more money, guaranteed money up front, extend it out a little bit. The whole quarterback, quote-unquote, controversy there, right? Yeah. Jordan Love. We'll see how that goes. But I think the Packers will renegotiate the contract so that way they can get a little bit more under the cap to get more players. But, but to that point, though, Danny, I, I just think – this is a win-win situation for Dak and the Cowboys, man. I agree, man. I'm glad he got paid. And now to the Basketball Hall of Fame finalist list. This is a very intriguing list. One thing we have to keep in mind that this is the Basketball Hall of Fame finalist list, not the NBA Hall of Fame list. I think some people always think about the NBA. No, this is the basketball, the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. And so with that, we have finalist Rick Adelman, who was the uh, coach for many years of the Portland Trailblazers, took him to the finals two times in 1990 and 92 against the Chicago Bulls and Detroit Pistons. Then we have Chris Bosh, 11-time NBA All-Star, who uh, won two titles with the Miami Heat uh, with LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2012 and 13. We have Michael Cooper, Coop, five-time NBA champion with the Showtime Los Angeles Lakers. I have more to say on on Coop. Uh, Tim Hardaway, 2000 Olympic gold medalist, uh, played with NBA 13 seasons, member of Run TMC. Then we have Marcus Johnson. Danny, we did a trading card scenario with yes. Marcus Johnson. Uh, it's good to see him on this list, man. Um, we'll see if he gets in, but he played 11 NBA seasons, was NBA comeback player uh, in 1986, um, and he had a phenomenal collegiate career uh, under Coach Wooden. And then we have Paul Pierce, 10-time NBA All-Star, 2008 NBA champion with the Boston Celtics. Then we have Bill Russell and going in as a coach. He's already in as a player, but to go in as a coach would be something else, man. I mean, he was the first black head coach to win an NBA title, and he did that as a player coach. That is something to behold and something phenomenal. He went on to be strictly a coach w- with the Celtics, uh, with the Seattle Supersonics and Sacramento Kings. He had a winning percentage of 54%. And Ben Wallace, man, four-time NBA Defensive Player of the Year. And he won an NBA championship with the uh, Detroit Pistons in 2004. Uh, that was the year that uh, the Lakers' late show was going for a four-peat. I don't know what happened with the Lake Show at that particular moment in time. That's when they had Carl Malone, and I don't know what the hell happened there. But anyway, four-time NBA Defensive Player of the Year, Ben Wallace. And then we had the likes of Chris Webber, man. Five-time NBA All-Star, 1994 NBA Rookie of the Year. Who could ever forget member of the Fab Five? Something to behold there. Uh, Coach Jay Wright, Coach of the Year in 2006 and 2016 for the Villanova Wildcats, multiple titles within the league, the Big East Conference, that is, Big East Conference Coach of the Year, several times over. That's the list, and then there's uh, additional women who are on the list. Uh, Lita Andrews, who is coach, a very impressive 
record. Uh, coach high school basketball for over 50 years, man. Longevity. All-time winningest high school coach, male or female. Come on, man. And then we also have Yolanda Griffith, seven-time WNBA All-Star, uh, two-time Olympic gold medalist. Lauren Jackson, a seven-time WNBA All-Star, three-time WNBA MVP. Come on, man. We already know what's going to happen there. Marianne Stanley, coach, 40 years at the collegiate and professional level. Come on, man. Longevity, like you said. And so, Danny, with that, man, I, who do you take out? I have a couple candidates, Jason. Uh-oh. Okay, let me hear it. My first person I would not elect in this year's Hall of Fame is Rick Adelman. And the reason I, I say no to Rick is he never won the championship. He had a lot of great teams, but he never could get them over the hump. If he would have had a championship under his belt, at least one, mm-hmm. then I'd definitely consider him. He was a good coach, but this is the Hall of Fame. I think Rick doesn't get in this year. He may eventually get in, mm-hmm. but based on this list here, I say no to Rick. The next person of note is Tim Hardaway. Hmm. Mr. UTEP two-step. <laughs> Killer crossover. Killer. Love watching Tim Hardaway and the Golden State Warriors play, man. He was, but I look at Tim Hardaway as someone who never got that championship either. He did get the Olympic gold once, but he j- just didn't cut it for me from a Hall of Fame perspective. Yeah, keep in mind, Danny, yes. this is not the NBA Hall of Fame. It's the Basketball Hall of Fame. I, I totally understand. Okay. All these okay. cats can't okay. get in, Jason. We got we got the velvet rope got us stopped somewhere. So <laughs> these are the cats that get into the club this year. Well, <laughs> well, this is a cat that should have been in the club a long time ago, in my opinion. Michael Cooper, man. Michael Cooper should have been in the Hall of Fame. Now, there will be some argument here because Cooper never made it to an all-star game in the NBA. Okay. Yes. He did make it to an all-star game. He was an all-star game MVP for the Italian League in 91. Yep. We have to think about this for a moment. There have been many great players who have not made it to an all-star game. I mean, when you look at the NBA all-star game that just happened and Mike Connolly made it to the all-star game for the first time in 14 years. Michael Cooper, I mean, there's just a lot of players. Let's just think about back in the day, Danny. The teams were stacked, especially for his position. So him getting to the All-Star game was going to be very difficult, nonetheless, because of all the players in front of him. And he was a defensive stopper. He wasn't an offensive. Cooper was a defensive player, man. He earned NBA All-Defense first-team honors five times Mm -hmm. and was an NBA Defensive Player of the Year in 87. Come on, man. So, And he has five championships. And when you think about those championships, and we grew up in that era, Danny, you yep. think about those championships, you know Coop was the one who's defending the likes of Bird on the wing. Yep. Coop was the de- the wing defender. I'm sorry, man. I'm just I'm just really shocked that Cooper hasn't hasn't been uh elected into the Hall of Fame as of yet. And I'm hoping that he gets in this time to right the wrong, in my opinion. Jason, I think Cooper won't get in. Damn it. I think man. I think I think he should be in. But I'm looking at this list and not knowing how many they take either. So if they take a, a higher number, then definitely. All what you've said, I totally agree with. But I think Coop won't get in. I think he'll get in. This one pains me to say, Jason. Ben Wallace. I don't think Ben Wallace will get in. 
I don't think he's gonna get in either, man. I think from his standpoint, it's the notoriety and just name recognition. Like you mm-hmm. know Ben Wallace, but if you compare him to a Dennis Rodman, which they were very similar players, Rodman has that cachet. Ben Wallace had the great career at Virginia Union that led him to Detroit. His work ethic and the way he played the game, man, was just impressive to me. But I just don't think he gets in. Let me ask you this, Danny, because I'm on the fence on this one. Chris Weber. Weber is a five-time NBA All-Star, Rookie of the Year, earned all NBA first-team honors in 2001, all NBA second-team three times, member of Fab Five. This is where winning a championship hurts Chris Weber, I think, as well. He was another one of my will-not-get-in list this year. He has all the accolades. He just didn't win. They didn't win. If they would have won one of those at Michigan, he's a lock. Mm-hmm. He wins one in the pros. His pro career was hampered by injury, and they never got over the hump in Washington when he was there. I think Chris Weber doesn't make it either. I'm but, on the fence on Chris Weber, though, man. Here's the thing, because on one hand, Fab Five was a phenomenon. It was a huge moneymaker for a university. That changed all the little young shorts. We had to wear on, back man. in freshman year and sophomore year. Then by the time junior year came around, we got got a little length in our shorts. Come on, man. It went to almost to the knees. That, you know, Fat Five, man, this is this is going to be a hard one. And I think Chris Weber, this is his maybe fourth time as a finalist. Yep. Other three times he hasn't gotten in. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say Weber gets in this time. Okay. I think he has waited long enough. Just that phenomenon of the Fab Five, man, was something to behold, man. I think uh, Bill Russell will get in automatically, quite honestly. I think he'll get in. I think Paul Pierce would get in as well. Let's talk about Marcus Johnson real quickly. Uh, didn't make it last year. Yep. He's on the list again this year. We had him earlier in <laughs> our season in one of our podcasts. Yep. As a trading card scenario, talk about one who created the point forward position. He's the one. I don't know, Danny. This is a tough one for me because if you're saying Cooper is not getting in, I'm saying maybe time for Cooper to get in. They, they're not going to take too many of these basketball players from the 70s and 80s all at once. So I think it's going to be probably either or. Since I picked Cooper to get in, pains me to say say this because he's a Milwaukee Buck, but I don't know if Marcus Johnson is going to get in, man. I am... No, you talk about being on the fence. This is one I'm on the fence with. And I think it's due to his NBA career being cut short because he was a hell of a hell of a player at UCLA. He was a great player at UCLA. They won the championship <sighs> player of the year. This is what I think distinguishes him between him and C-Web is he at least won one title because they kind of have similar careers from a pro perspective, uh, just due to the injuries being cut, cutting their sh- careers short a little bit. Marcus Johnson, I'm going to say he gets in. <laughs> okay. Okay. And and real quickly, last one yeah. here, Chris Bosch, man. I was torn with Bosch because if they're penalizing Cooper for being on a team with Magic, Kareem, Worthy, mm-hmm. don't we have to penalize Bosch for being on a team with D-Wade and LeBron? Yes, and, you do. And so – I'm going to say that Chris Bosch will eventually get in. I don't know if it's going to be this time, though. I agree with you. I think 
that he will not get in this time around, even though he has won gold medals, championships, was a great high school player. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to go with you on this one, on Chris Bosh. And now to uh, Jackson State, where they play Grambling. This game was very interesting, man. Jackson State goes into Grambling, and this game was really intense, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jackson State, this is deep in the fourth quarter, drives the ball. They get to the goal line, and it looks like they're about to score, but what happens? They fumble the ball at the goal line, and that would have really sealed the game. They were leading at that point in time. So Grambling gets the ball. They start to drive with about one minute left on the clock. Grambling is on the goal line. What happens? They fumbled the ball at the goal line. Jackson State recovers and basically wins the game. This is the first SWAC win for Coach Prime. And this was just a very intriguing game, man. Fans probably have seen videos and stuff of Coach Prime's halftime talk, was at, which was absolutely phenomenal and funny and hilarious all at the same time. When you look at all the media that Coach Prime is doing, to me, it's really similar to that of what you see in, in big-time programs. So when you watch ESPN, when we watched a game, sometimes you'll see a snippet of a halftime speech or a halftime talk uh, in the locker room uh, of that team. You normally don't see this for HBCU. Coach Prime is bringing this to the fans. Yep. Now, for my school, Florida a University, I have seen some halftime talks or I have seen some celebration, locker room celebrations or what have you, where there's a little dancing going on, the coach is dancing, whatever the case may be. But nonetheless, man, this is absolutely phenomenal. And this is the exposure for the university, exposure to their fans, but more importantly, exposure to potential recruit, to recruit yes. these students, student athletes to come to the school and join in in all of this fun, man. This is phenomenal. Their next game is on Sunday against Mississippi Valley State. And it's being bumped up to ESPN2. So we'll see, man. They're doing something down there in Jackson State. But you know what? When they come play Florida a and University come Labor Day weekend, they better get ready. Jackson State is really taking advantage of the spring season. Mm-hmm. Coach Prime is taking full advantage of this opportunity to bring all that exposure to the team. And them being bumped up to ESPN2 on a March Madness conference tournament weekend Mm -hmm. speaks volumes to me. And for those of you who did not see Coach Prime's halftime speech that Jason referenced, (laughs) take a look on YouTube. It is definitely something something else where, like Jason said, it's very inspiring, but he gets to the point and he says some things in there that make you laugh and then make you shake your head like, "Uh uh-huh, I understand exactly where you're coming from. This is definitely raising a bar from an HBCU perspective what with what Coach Prime is doing and very curious on how some of these universities react going forward as well, mm-hmm. especially getting into the fall season, the normal season of football. Kudos to Jackson State for getting that victory. We'll see what they do on Sunday. Thank you for joining us at Backports Talk Podcast. You can also join us on Twitter by tweeting us at back underscore podcast. For more information, you can go to our website, which is backporchtalkpodcast.com. You can also email us at backporchtalkpodcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you for joining us. And remember that there's enough hate in the world. So go ahead and spread a little love.